Rick, how does this extra pressure affect you? Well, what it tells me, Lance Russell, is today, woo, I've got the style and profile like never before. Steamboat, let me go on record as telling the whole world you are the greatest wrestler on the face of this earth. But, pal, today, right here, you got to beat Ric Flair one more time. Remember, Steamboat? And pal, I'll kiss your boots if you can do it. But to be the man, you gotta beat the man. And I'm saying, woo, right here in Nashville, Tennessee, pal, I'm the man. Ric Flair and Steamboat, you're gonna be mine. Woo! <laughs> woo! It's a great smackdown. Woo! <laughs> oh, man. I think we might be the first Presbyterian church in American history to have Ric Flair <laughs> as a guest speaker. Woo! <clears throat> My name is Joe Davis. I'm the lead teacher here for The Garden. And by the way, just a reminder, starting next Sunday... <coughs> Next Sunday, right? Yes. Next Sunday is October 4th. We have an 11 o'clock service we're offering. So just let you guys know that we have that coming up. That'll be good. Um, so uh, today, we're continuing our series on move over, making way for the Lord. And last week, we talked about being a, a weak link, boasting in your weakness. This week, we're talking about a grace smackdown. That's right, a grace smackdown. Woo! I used to love wrestling back in the day, man. When I was a kid, I'd watch that. Dusty Rhodes, who recently died, you know, and then you had Barry Windham and Mike Rotundo, the, the American Dream Dusty Rhodes, and Steamboat Ricky and Ric Flair. Andre the Giant, anybody remember Andre the Giant? Oh, yeah. The Iron Sheik. Oh, the he was a bad guy, the Iron Sheik. We didn't like him. He was, and Nikolai Volk, the Russian and the Iranian tag team. That was, that was great marketing, wasn't it? Uh, <clears throat> <clears throat> Today we're talking about the story of Jacob when he wrestled with God. And it's a very interesting story. So it's Genesis 32, 22 to 30. I'm going to read the first part to you, then come up with that part in just a minute, okay? It says, The same night Jacob arose and took his two wives, his two servants, and his 11 children, and they crossed, crossed the brook into Jabbok. And he took them and sent them across the stream and everyone else that he had with them. And Jacob was left alone for a moment, and then a man came and wrestled him until the break of day, all night. That's amazing. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let go unless you bless me. Verse 27. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And then the man said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men, and God has prevailed. And Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been delivered. So it's an interesting story about Jacob wrestling with this person it seems to be a manifestation of God and and what we learn later on it's actually a picture of Jesus so 
<clears throat> what we like to do is we like to take a passage and we try to explain the historical aspects of it to you. We try to explain the, uh, the theological aspects so that you can take those and apply them to your life devotionally so it can change the way you act and the way you think on Monday morning. So let's look at the historical aspects. First of all, I want you to know who Jacob was. Jacob's name actually means deceiver. It means liar. It means conniver. It means manipulator. And Jacob had a long history of being this way. He deceived his younger, he deceived his brother and stole the birthright that his brother had. He'd done many things before. He deceived his father. Conspiring with his mother, he conceived his father, he deceived his father. And also Jacob was unforgiving of others. He didn't turn the other cheek when his uncle uh, cheated him. And so what happened was Jacob would cheat people all the time, but when somebody would cheat him, he would bring the hammer down. Throughout his life, Jacob had displayed a disturbing, depraved tendency to fulfill his flesh and live on self-reliance at the expense of those who loved him. That's who Jacob was. Jacob used people, he used his family, he abused them. <coughs> he was the most dishonest man. He could never get approved for a home mortgage in today's market. I mean, it's hard enough if he got good credit to get approved for a home mortgage. Jacob was a liar. Jacob was a deceiver. So that's the history of who Jacob was. And at this point, Jacob is kind of fleeing with his family, and he comes to this brook, and Jacob's actually an important guy. Remember last week we talked about weak links? In God's grace, this is a weak link, for sure. So let's look at the theological, okay? The theological aspects of this grace smackdown that we're getting ready to look at. First of all, what happens is God corners Jacob when he's alone. Jacob sends his family on, and then God corners them on the other side of the river there. And he got, God challenges Jacob's reliance upon his own strength and his own wisdom. And this challenge is not just physical. It's emotional and it's spiritual. Now, could you imagine what you'd be thinking? It's pitch dark, you're by yourself, and all of a sudden this guy comes and starts wrestling you to keep you from crossing where you want to go. He's wrestling with you all night long, and you can't beat him. What would you be thinking? And then God uses this submission hold on Jacob. Ric Flair's submission hold back in the day was the figure four leg lock. <clears throat> and whenever he would slap that thing on, the fans would go wild because they knew it was just a matter of time before his opponent submitted and said, I give up, I can't win. God uses a submission hold on Jacob. He dislocates his hip. And just something for you to know, the scripture tells us that Jacob had a permanent reminder of this the rest of his life. From this wrestling match where God dislocated his hip, he limped the rest of his life. So God kind of left a scar with their tussle. And here's what's interesting. The man asking, uh, wrestling Jacob, Jacob asks for his opponent's name. He says, listen, give me your name. I want to know what your name is. And let me explain to you why that's important. In this culture, in this day and age, if you came across somebody and you met somebody, one of the ways you would establish dominance or authority over them is, tell me your name. And the person would submit to you by saying, my name is such and such. And it's very interesting, in this wrestling match, Jacob asked for his opponent's name, and the opponent says, why do you care about my name? But Jacob gives up his name very easily before that. So it's very interesting what happens here. What you see in this wrestling match is in the end, after that submission hold with the hip, 
Jacob's, the, the guy says, what is your name? And he says, my name is Jacob, which by the way means what? Deceiver. It was a confession. I am liar. I am deceiver. I am manipulator. Now, I've told you my name. You tell me yours. And the guy says, I'm not telling you my name. Jacob realizes who his opponent is. <clears throat> he relinquishes his final stronghold of reliance upon himself. He asks for the name. He's still trying to control his own destiny. He's still trying to say, no, 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 I submit to you in this fight, but you got to tell me who you are. But what's interesting is this. God gives Jacob, instead of giving him his name, God gives Jacob a new name. This is amazing. Think about it. There's three aspects of names here. Jacob surrenders his. God does not surrender his, but then God gives Jacob a new one. This is very interesting. This is a, it's a great symbol of grace, forgiveness, and redemption. Remember, what does Jacob's name mean? Liar. And Jacob, this struggle that Jacob had with God left him with a dislocated hip. It affected his walk, if you will, the rest of his life. As a matter of fact, people could see Jacob coming from afar off because they could recognize his walk. Because of his tussle with God, it changed the way he walked. He never had a chance of defeating this guy. Up until that point, Jacob had contended with men and always prevailed. <clears throat> he had done this through his own efforts, his own flesh, his own natural cleverness, and his own strength. And in the end, he even tried bargaining with God as he's wrestling him in this way. But the only way to prevail was for this man to give Jacob a new name. And he gives him the name Israel. You know what it means? It means God wins. God rules. Isn't that interesting? God prevails. So at the end of this fight, he's no longer called deceiver. He's called God prevails. It's very interesting. So let's the devotional side of this. What do we do with this? Here's what I want to share with you today. Grace will never lose a fight. This whole story is a picture of how God's grace fights for us, even against us, to save us. Here's an example of what I'm talking about in John 6, 37 to 40. All that the Father has given to me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it all up on the last day. That's the resurrection. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Grace never loses a fight. And once grace is applied to us by a sovereign all-powerful God, you know what happens? Grace will never relent. It will never yield. It will never submit. It will never leave. Grace is in it for the long haul, and there is nothing anyone can do to reverse what it wants to do. When grace engages in someone's life, there are several things it will always do. 
just like it did with Jacob, just like it's doing in some of yours today. First of all, grace will always prevail. <clears throat> you understand, even if you fight it, try to, try to squeeze it into your own understanding, you attempt to reconcile it with your own will, like when Jacob tried to ask for the name, in the end, it's grace that overwhelms us and brings us into submission. Do you understand that grace is not something that says, I will use this to compromise with you so that you can see God? No, grace just prevails. Grace just wins. Grace doesn't look for compromise. Grace doesn't strike bargains with you. It just defeats you. You know what else grace will do, though? It will leave scars. Because <clears throat> as we fight it, grace can leave lasting marks. Scars that remind us of when grace finally broke us. And these scars bring comfort. They provide evidence, guys, that its force in our life is real. Jacob's scar was a limp he had the rest of his life. And what happens is when grace engages you, when grace starts the battle for your heart and your soul and your mind, you will fight it tooth and nail. You can even accept it and still fight it. And it will leave scars because it will not stop at anything to make sure that you understand grace prevails. You know what else it does? It connects us to Heavenly Dad. <clears throat> In Romans 8, 38 and 39, I love this passage. I love this passage. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So not only does grace always prevail, not only does grace always leave scars, but grace always permanently, permanently connects us to heavenly dad. Grace cannot be undone. When the championship is won, it's a championship forever. It's not like the Heisman Trophy that can be revoked if you got caught cheating. You know what else it does? It prevails, it leaves scars, it connects, but it also transforms. <clears throat> Remember that thing about the name I told you about? You want to get blown away real quick? You ready? You ready? You like, you like what Scripture kind of says? Wow, that's cool, Scripture. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on that stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. Jacob's story is not the only time where God talks about giving us new names. Paul got a new name. We get a new name. You know what? We don't even know what the name is going to be till we get to heaven. I'll kind of be glad to get rid of my name. I'm serious, man. <clears throat> I can't wait to see what my new name is. I've always thought that maybe, you know, Ignatius would be good. I don't know, something cool, you know, something hard to spell. 
with something more than just one syllable, Joe. That sucks. <laughs> Joe. I want something good, you know? But God tells me that because I'm going to overcome, because grace has defeated me, grace has overcome my heart, my will, my mind, my emotions, I get redeemed, I get transformed, I get changed, I get a new name. So today, I'm trying to give you a new revolutionary way to think about your salvation that goes along with what we learned last week. Remember I said about boasting in your weakness? See, when we think about, well, I'm a Christian because I trusted Jesus, how is that boasting in your weakness? Right? Instead of looking at your salvation as the day that you trusted Jesus, the day that you were so smart that you figured out you needed forgiveness, how about saying, yeah, God saved me, that's the day that I got dealt a grace Smackdown. Let me tell you something, man. I'll tell you who I was. I was just like Jacob. I was like Ric Flair. And then one day, Grace just did a pile driver figure four smackdown on my heart and mind and soul and life and free will. It beat me into submission. It left some scars and it was painful. And I fought it the whole way. But in the end, I had to relent. It had me in a grace submission hold, and that day I gave up. That's exactly how Jacob saw it. <clears throat> Not as the day that he was so smart or so strong that he out-wrestled God, but rather the day that Jesus defeated him and forced him to admit his name. What is your name? My name is Deceiver. My name is Depravity. Complete, total, utter depravity. My name is not good enough. My name is inconsistent. My name is flawed. My name is sinful. My name is dark. My name is liar. My name is adulterer. My name is addict. That's my name. You win, Grace. That's who I am. You win. That day, Jesus saved Jacob while Jacob was kicking and screaming, and God saved him with irresistible grace. Grace that fought with him all night. Grace that said, I'm not going anywhere until you tell me your name. Guys, here's the greatest comfort about grace. Here's the greatest thing about undeserved favor. <clears throat> if God applies it to your life, it will win. No doubt. And there's nothing you or anyone else can do about it because grace is undefeated. Grace never loses. I'm going to tell you right now, if there was a way for grace to lose, I would have found it. I shared with you guys a little bit about my weak links last week. From church meetings, to basketball courts, to driving on 41, there's a lot of grace that I need every day. And grace is relentlessly overwhelming me constantly. And it's so much so that every day I wake up and say, man, my name is 
depravity. But there's good news about that. When we fight with grace and we struggle with grace and it causes us pain and hardship and grace brings things into our life that help us to see who we really are, it hurts. It's not fun. But it leaves us whole. It leaves us forgiven. It leaves us connected. And it transforms us. Grace is a champion that takes our best shot or, according to to John, anything else that gets in the way. Anyone or anything that gets in the way of grace working in our lives, whether it's ourselves or someone or something else, grace is a champion that takes our best shot of depravity, stubbornness, and will, and wins every time. Every time. I don't know about you, but in my life, I don't want to trust a grace that could possibly lose. Would you? Because I tell you right now, if, if it were possible for grace to lose, I'd figure out a way to win. I'm so glad I don't have a prayer against grace. You like that? I don't have a prayer when it comes to grace. As a matter of fact, what we learned last week, grace is the one that teaches me to pray. The scripture says you don't even know how to pray, but the Spirit works within you, uttering prayers that you don't even understand. That's boasting in your weakness when you say grace defeated me and gave me life. Before we sing our last song together, I invite you to